0: Today's very, very, very special edition of the Bill Simmons podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by The Zone. Stream over 100 fight nights a year, including the biggest names in boxing and MMA. Without the pain of pay per view, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, a bunch of awesome MMA fighters, behind the scenes content leading up to fight night, a library of classic fights, original programming. Oh, wait, an MLB rip around show called Change Up every night of the week. All of it is available on almost any device. It's live. It's on demand. Download the DAZN app on your smart TV, tablets, wherever you want. Download it on the Apple or Android app store. Sign up by creating an account. Start watching across nearly all of your devices. That is D-A-Z-N, DAZN. We're also brought to you by Bud Light. Did you know not all alcohol products are required to list their ingredients? That was news to me. Bud Light changing the game. They believe that we deserve to know our beer's ingredients, so they put an ingredients label right on their packaging. Bud Light brewed with hops, barley, water, and rice. No corn syrup, no preservatives, no artificial flavors. Find out what ingredients are in your beer, Bud Light. Enjoy responsibly. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, the world's greatest website. And this is really, I mean, this is our week. Thrones, NBA playoffs coming up this is it. This is this is our wheelhouse. So check it out. Check out all of our awesome podcasts, including the Ringer NBA show, Binge Mode, Game of Thrones. That got cranking again. We're going to have a precap episode on the recappables that we're going to do before uh, each Game of Thrones episode. That's happening. 25 greatest moments of Game of Thrones picked by Mallory and Jason getting broken down. And then Sunday night, right after Game of Thrones ends, literally right after they do the coming attractions for next week, go to Twitter, at Ringer, or hashtag TalkToThrones. Our post-game show is back. Mally Rubin, Jason Concepcion, the one and only Chris Ryan, Binge Mode and The Watch. It's, a, it's a, like a crossover episode with Thrones. I mean, it's everything you'd want. We, uh, we have bought a new table for this year. The set looks a little nicer. Very, very, very excited about this. So you watch Thrones, try to figure out what the fuck happened. <laughs> and then you go right to our right to our Twitter account and you can watch the live show. And if you're a little late, maybe you wanted to watch another HBO show, watch a little NBA playoffs, watch Billions, whatever you wanted to do, it's there. You just go afterwards and start it up and it's on demand after it's uh, not live anymore. So there you go. All right, coming up, this is the second version of this podcast. We actually had another version of it where it was Stu Gotts and then Michael Lewis, the awesome acclaimed author. But then Magic Johnson gave the weirdest press conference, um, not only of the year, but in the recent annals of NBA history. It was really one of the strangest NBA days we've ever had. So we are now taping this at nine o'clock Pacific time on Tuesday night. We just had a whole bunch of basketball, just watched Oklahoma City and do an improbable comeback where Houston had a chance to lock up the number two seed and blew the game at the end. Dirk's farewell was amazing. Um, A dramatic Pistons-Grizzlies game that had top eight pick ramifications for the Celts. Uh, I watched a lot of basketball today, but the Magic press conference trumped anything. So Chris Mannix is going to come up. We're going to talk about that. And then Stu Gotts, John Wiener from uh, the Dan Levitard show, who I've been dying to have come on forever, he's going to come on to talk about Dwayne Wade. This is going to be an awesome, awesome, Basketball podcast. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, on the line right now on emergency pod notice. We haven't had him on before, at least on the BS podcast. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated and The Zone. He's on East Coast time. It is midnight. It's past midnight, East Coast time. But I feel like this is the biggest, weirdest NBA story of the year. Magic Johnson stepping down from the Lakers. What was your reaction, Chris Mannix?
1: Out of nowhere, man. Like, last regular season game, you're thinking you know, Dwayne Wade done, Dirk Nowitzki done. And magic just pops out before the meaningless Lakers Blazers game, (laughs) announces that he's quitting. Like, I mean, we can get into all of it, peel back all the layers, but man, like, this is just this just is such a Magic Johnson thing to do because you know this is the guy that was like, you know what, I don't want to be a head coach anymore, so screw it. Uh, You know what, I don't want to work hard at being a talk show host, so screw it. Uh, And now he doesn't want to, you know, do the work required to be. An NBA executive. So, this is kind of on brand for Magic Johnson.
0: I've thought that he was going to scale it back. I did not think there was any way in hell that Palinka and Magic were going to be in charge of the Lakers this summer. Either they were going to get rid of one, um, get rid of both, or have Magic scale back and get rid of Palinka. It was some sort of one of those three options was happening. And I actually predicted on this pod last week or the week before that I thought Magic was going to scale back considerably. Did not expect not only what he did, but how he did it. Let's be honest, super unprofessional. Didn't even tell Jeannie Buss. Made a point over and over again of talking about how it was his sister and how much he loved her. And yet he didn't have the balls to just call her on the phone and say he was stepping down. Said he didn't want to see her in person. So, but it's better for her to find out on television. I thought that was one of the strangest things I've ever seen as a basketball fan. I don't. I don't know if am I overreacting or do you feel the same way?
1: No, it, it was. It's right up there. I mean, trying to think of something more bizarre in the quitting slash retirement kind of uh, uh, area. I, I don't think of of too many. I mean, and all this like. You know, behind the smile, and look, Magic. Uh, He's—I don't know him too well, but he seems like a pretty decent guy, and he's—you know—obviously a great businessman. But I mean, th- he's smiling through the the narrative of how he couldn't look his boss in the eye and tell her that he quit. I mean, th- this guy had a three-hour meeting yesterday with Jeannie Buzz and didn't say any of this. Right. Like, any time during the three hours when you're discussing the future of this team, you might want to say. I'm not going to be a part of it. Then he's joking about how he's talking to people at the arena that night about the future of the team. They're talking to him about the future of the team. And he's just sitting there saying, I don't know. I didn't, I just sort of like, they don't know that I'm not going to be here either. I mean, the whole thing was just nonsense. And then he's kind of, you know, taking you way behind the curtain. Now we all know that, that from the day he took over, he wanted to replace Luke Waldman. I was talking to someone really close to Luke earlier tonight. who was like, you know, from day one, Luke felt like this guy wanted him out of here. From day one, publicly and privately, it was all negativity from, from the Lakers front office. But to to kind of put it all out there and confirm, like, yeah, I wanted this guy gone, but I couldn't tell Genie or do it or couldn't clash with Genie was just it was just bizarre. There was nothing he said in that like forty-five plus minutes that wasn't bizarre.
0: Yeah, and it just kept going and going. The whole genie bus thing was weird. It was weird that he broke down. It was weird that he talked about how he wanted his life back and how he wasn't happy, which look, everybody deserves to be happy. I don't, I don't blame him for that, but I also, I'm not sure what he thought he was getting into running a basketball team. Like he had certainly been around basketball long enough to know what it entailed um, that he was alluding to kind of the dirty business of, of, uh, of the backstabbing and, kind of what did he say trickery he used some word like that about uh the the dirty politics of people floating stuff out there how did he put that do you remember he had said something like that
1: i remember backstabbing and he didn't like all the the leaks and things like that but yeah what what do you think gonna happen his office was responsible his office was responsible for some of them like you know Jeannie bus you were there bill genie bus went to sloan and you know, blame the media for all the problems. Yeah, I mean, you know, muzzle your people. Like there's, you know, people within the organization that were putting stuff out there. I mean, it's it just, it, the disconnect from reality was was stark in that in that whole whole speech.
0: And then the Polinka stuff, he made it seem like it was an arranged marriage. And Jeannie set it up. He he never really said anything nice about Polinka. He didn't say anything bad, but he didn't say anything nice either. They asked him, do you think Polinka should be the, will be the GM going forward? Will he do a good job? He's like, I don't know. Um, I, that was not the narrative when they got the job. The narrative no, it, no. it was not an arranged marriage. It was like this is a partnership. This guy's great. Th- it was all a big love fest. We're going to turn this around. Um, and now he made it seem like they were just shoved together. It, which not an, as a powerful. And that's not true. Yeah, it's yeah. not true. And as a powerful billionaire businessman, I think he has. I think he had more power in the relationship than Plinka did. If he didn't want to work with Blanca, I think he, I'm pretty reasonably sure he could have squashed that one, correct?
1: Absolutely. But, you know, you mentioned at the top here, kind of Magic wanted to, maybe he wanted to take a step back or he thought he might take a step back. The problem is there's not too many guys that he could work with that he could take a step back and that person wouldn't grab the spotlight. Magic loves the spotlight. He, he loves the, everything, All everything that comes with success, but not at least when it comes to basketball operations, the work that goes into it. And Palenka played this whole thing perfectly at the beginning because he wanted this job. Yeah. Like he wanted to be a part of the, uh, the Laker franchise and run the Lakers. So he was willing to kind of play the game and you know let Magic be the front man if he could do a lot of the work. Now, there are a bunch of reasons why it, it hasn't really worked out for Palenka. I, I think his, his he, he didn't have the same ascension that Bob Myers did because the relationships... With a lot of front offices that Palenka had were damaged because of what he was, what he was as an agent. Yeah, so that
0: was, so I was going to say that, that was, he, probably, he. didn't I have mean, a great important. reputation.
1: No, he he didn't. But but Palenka was the guy that could, you know, would would step in and, and be okay, be deferential. Magic could have taken a step back if he wanted to and work with Rob Palenka. There's not a lot of guys that that would have been okay with that type of with with that type of uh, marriage, at least not high level NBA GMs.
0: And I think. When they got the job, I think a lot of it was ceremonial, sort of, all right, now we have a Laker legend, and we have this connected guy in the league, and these two guys are going to rebuild our image within the league, which is that we're a train wreck, and Jimmy Buss was a train wreck. Mitch Kupchak couldn't even get a meeting with Kevin Durant. Um, was I, I heard a great story about him, at least when he was with the Lakers, about... How he was like the only GM in the league who would wait till 12:01 a.m on July 1st to start calling people. everyone else is back channeling in like April and May um but instead they made the, the two people that they hired that they thought were going to give them the stability and credibility it did the opposite. They made they made the Lakers a laughing stock. they let, they landed LeBron now LeBron probably goes to the Lakers whoever is running them unless it's you know somebody who's an even bigger train wreck. other than that. You know, moves big and small, like what they did last summer with with all the guys they signed. And Magic explaining it in summer league, like there's a long video of him explaining how everybody else is going for shooting. I wanted toughness. Toughness is what wins in the playoffs, and this is why we got this guy, that guy, and the other guy. But the big and small to like giving up Zubach before the trade deadline, which is a now legendary NBA story about them calling the Clippers and offering that deal, and the Clippers. Almost sure. not knowing what to do. Really? You're gonna give us Zubac for for Mike Buscala? Okay, great. You know. Um, they're just kind of a laughing stock behind the scene, which I had talked about on a podcast recently about um, you know, these guys weren't exactly burning the candle on both ends. I think the, the 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 teams that are out there that are really hardworking know who the other hardworking teams are and the guys that are just everywhere and scouting everything. And what did you hear on that front? Because I had heard the reputation on the Lakers side, was not good on that front.
1: No, and to, to your point, like you know, you can name the top five GMs, you know, off the top of your head, and the one thread that binds them all is just this ridiculous work ethic. Whether it's you know Daryl or, or Sam Presti in Oklahoma City, even Tim Conley, who's all over the place scouting and has had great success in Denver, uh, that, that's what 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 they do. Uh, and Magic never had that reputation. I think a, another part of the two, though. Is that, you know, I, I don't know who what, what the titles were of the guys that worked under Rob Palenka, but he didn't have a very deep staff. No. He didn't have, I think, a a, a true defa- assistant GM there, and all the great teams. And, and it's more important when you're a new front office with complete novices at those positions. You got to fill it out with really good, experienced hands. You've got to have the the depth of the staffs of of Utah or or, or San Antonio to in general, but when you have that young front office, you, you got to do that. And I think that was a big problem, too. I don't think Rob's been very trusting of of bringing in kind of a, a, a top-level assist underneath him, and I think that's been problematic for their finding guys, too. To their credit, though, Bill, they, they have drafted pretty well. I mean, yeah. they, They've made some mistakes on the trade front, but the draft has worked out real well for them over the last couple of years, except for the obvious fact that if they had taken Jason Tatum over Lonzo Ball, maybe they're not in this situation right now because they could have made a a Davis trade
0: or Darren Fox too, yeah. I exactly. You know, I I mean Magic was just seemed so out to lunch in that press conference. He was all over the place, and one of the funniest moments, maybe tragic funny, was he talked about D'Angelo Russell, and he goes out of his way to put it, praise D'Angelo Russell. Did you see that part? And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes,
1: is this? Let me let me ask you this. Is this is this Twitter's first casualty? Like an NBA front office? Like my. Well, you know 10,000 foot view of it is there's a lot of reasons magic quit but like not being able to tweet at players on that, <laughs>
0: yeah, list that, somewhere. that was great he was upset he couldn't work out with Ben Simmons who's on another team he really seemed like he was really <laughs> bristling that he couldn't help other players on other teams and that it was uh, a violation meanwhile Ben Simmons is gonna be a free agent in like two years um, but the but D- he's
1: also he's also off his rocker too. That like now the NBA is not going to find him if he tweets at Dwayne Wade. Congratulations! They're not going to find him if he tweets at Russell Westbrook. Great yeah. game! Like there, there are some things that are problems only only in his mind.
0: Yeah, and it was basically like now I'm free. I get to do tweets <laughs> and work out with Ben Simmons when I want. It's like what are you talking about <laughs> the Russell thing? He made a point of saying like, look, we traded D'Angelo Russell, and it's been really really great to watch him mature into what he did this year, but he wasn't mature like that when we had him. And it's like, yeah, cause he was 20. <laughs> what would you expect? <laughs> oh, he's more mature now at age 23. I can't believe it. What, what a, what and, a crazy story. And don't forget too, he, he
1: kicked the Angela Russell on the way out the door. Oh, I mean, he big didn't time. just trade him. He, he kicked him on the way out the door. So like, I mean, it's, it's, it's he's trying to change history to a degree with all that because he was, he was very negative towards Russell at the end.
0: Yeah, and they gave up on somebody really early to get rid of the Mozgov contract to help create space to get this second free agent that they thought they were getting. Everyone, the worst kept secret in the league all last season was that they were getting Paul George, and then they ended up not getting Paul George. And I don't what I mean. What what's your theory on that? Do you out of all the different theories that everybody has heard, why do you think they didn't get Paul George?
1: I mean, I think it's a combination of Paul George has always been kind of a pleaser in the sense that, you know, like he, he goes to Oklahoma city and he develops that bond with, with Westbrook. And, and that's hard for him to walk away from because of what, what happened between those two guys. I, I also got to give that the, the, the front office there a lot of credit because they, I mean, from day one, you know, th- this, that was their goal all season long to, to sell him on the franchise. Now, Maybe there's other stuff behind it, like the you heard the Brewer stuff that was out there for a little bit, and maybe this board that we don't know. But I've gotten to know Paul George pretty well over the years, and it it didn't shock me at all when he stayed because I knew what he was hearing from the Oklahoma City front office, and I knew you know really from month one the type of relationship he was developing with Russell Westbrook.
0: And there was some agency stuff too. He's with CAA, mortal rivals with Clutch because sure. Rich Paul left CAA. Plus, you have Palenka versus CAA and. Um,
1: but the guys really make a decision like on that. No, like, no, I mean, it was I know just, it's a factor. But
0: that's yeah. those are the people that are in his life, you know. Yeah. And if they feel like they'd rather shove him versus to OKC versus him being in the shadow with the Lakers, uh, Magic was talking about this was a three-year plan, and I've <laughs> I put them in. They're in great shape now for year three. Do we feel like they're in great shape? Because I look at LeBron entering what is it, year 17 next year or year 18? Um, Had his first like pretty significant injury of his career this year. Now he's not going to play basketball for six months. You have Brandon Ingram with a really serious blood clot issue. We have no idea if he's going to be healthy. You have Lonzo Ball who was hurt half the season who is embroiled in one of the sadder family controversies slash crises with the business and the whole thing that he's going through. And we're not even sure that he's even a potential all-star someday. I don't think they have another all-star on the roster. Their draft pick is going to be somewhere between nine and 11. I don't think they have enough to get Anthony Davis. I mean, now that it's gotten to the summer, I think three teams have more assets to trade than they do for Davis. Um, why, why would anybody think this team is in like fantastic shape? Because I certainly don't. Uh,
1: it, it, it's a, it's that disconnect from reality that I was talking about. What are what you saying that? And, I don't know what kind, how you define what kind of shape they're in, but you know, with a fully healthy LeBron and and these young players all healthy as well, I guess I guess they're a playoff team next year. But yeah. I mean, they they also will have to kind of rebuild the roster to a degree, regardless, because all these guys that they signed to one year contracts, not going to want to bring them back. Like, do you bring Rondo back no. again? Do you bring Lance Stevenson no. back again? I mean. Maybe you go a different direction and a new GM tries to find more shooting, but you got to incorporate probably four new players into that rotation. And you you can't discount the fact that as soon as the Davis stuff came up, those young guys were looking at LeBron differently. They were looking around the locker room and saying, well, you know, because we connect the dots pretty easily, you know, you were trying to trade us. So I, I don't know how you go back to training camp with any degree of trust, knowing that if, a chance to acquire player X comes up, you know, LeBron and and, and that team is going to try to trade you unless a new GM comes along and, and, and somehow is able to foster some kind of better environment. I think they're going to have big problems, you know, developing chemistry with the same group
0: next year. Yeah. And LeBron has been out. He's been quietly doing a local media make good tour. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's yeah. a big, big, big puff piece like two weeks ago in the LA times about all the entertainment stuff. That he's doing that made it seem like, you know, he was the next Walt Disney. It was it was laughable. <laughs> um, then you have, he did a half hour interview with Jim Hill, who is the kind of the, the local icon, much like how Bob Lobel was the guy in Boston for years and years. Jim right. Hill is kind of the guy here. He's been here forever and just did, you know, an interview with LeBron. Never asked him really about the ramifications of the Anthony Davis thing, whether he thought he made a mistake. None of that. It was just a very safe likable LeBron interview that that nothing tough was asked. And he seems to be rehabilitating his image in LA, which is, it's not even like he has to rehabilitate. It's, it's kind of indifference. You know, this is a Kobe town and it's a Shaq and Kareem and Magic Town. And the attitude, I think, with the Lakers fans was kind of like, you're a Laker now? And LeBron's whole attitude was, I'm LeBron James. And it never seemed like that totally meshed never felt like LeBron was a quote-unquote Laker, you know? And I I don't know how you rebuild that, especially if stuff comes out, which was my next question. Do you think it comes out that part of the reason Magic did this was because he didn't click with LeBron? They weren't on the same page. He didn't like the people, the influences LeBron had. He didn't really talk about LeBron that much in this press conference, which I thought was interesting. What did you think of that whole part?
1: Yeah, he he didn't, and... I'm sure there's that's, you know, dealing with not LeBron, but everything that comes into being part of LeBron James operation is, is difficult for any GM as we've seen in his last two stops. But I just, I keep going back to what we know about magic, that magic Johnson just really likes being magic Johnson. Yeah. And he took the Laker job because who wouldn't I mean it's his franchise. He's, not only being empowered as the, the man when it comes to basketball decisions, but, you know, given license to hire a Palenka to to do all the stuff he doesn't want to do. And then, you know, kind of realize that you've got to hop on planes and travel to like Croatian gyms right. and be on the phone with, you know, head coaches in, you know, Austria to hear a little bit of something, to be able to draft the guys that you need to draft. You have to kind of start new relationships with guys you probably never thought about starting relationships with, you know, for the bulk of your life. And and that just takes an incredible amount of work. I'm always just so impressed with the, the GMs that I know that work as hard as they do. And as long as they do, I, I just think that there was probably something going on behind the scenes with whether it was the direction he was getting from LeBron's camp or whoever was leaking all the stuff about uh, the, the Davis stuff. But I just think it, it boiled down to, he just didn't want to do it. And, he decided on a whim that he was going to announce he didn't want
0: to do it. Well, and in that press conference, he made that whole point of how much he loved closing a deal and how he's like, if I can get somebody in a room, I'm going to close that. That's what I'm good at. That's what I'm good at as a businessman. That's what I really love. And, you know, what he didn't say was- Wouldn't you, lo-
1: wouldn't you love to see him try, though, like this summer? <laughs> yeah. Like, get into a room with like Kawhi. Kawhi is like,
0: you know- I, I barely okay, speak. I'm- yeah um <laughs> sure well the implication of him saying that was basically like all i really love doing is trying to recruit people to come to the lakers but the rest of the job eh, I don't, the the whole scouting and watching basketball games and being around the team every day i, I didn't realize it was going to be that hard it's like what'd you think you're the president of basketball operations and
1: i mean do you think do you think bill that
0: like yeah, the Celtics kind of started doing this early,
1: and a lot of teams do that. But like, they don't go on the road during the NCAA tournament to, to scout many teams. They just sit in a big room and kind of watch it together. The Jazz do this in like their their screening room at their practice facility. Do you, you think Magic was watching like all those first round games? No. You know, like on Thursday, was he locked in in the way you need to be locked in to be a high level executive? I don't know that he didn't, but I don't believe that he did.
0: Well, he has a pretty giant business you know, and is and he does a lot of charity work. And like the job of being Magic Johnson is its own job. Danny Ainge doesn't also have a business and he's competing. Unfortunately, you're competing against, like I look at the Celtics, you got Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and Austin Age and Dave Lewin. They have that whole organization that's in place, really strong infrastructure and all those guys work hard. You look at the Clippers who went from you know, Ballmer comes in and thinks Doc can just be the GM and the coach at the same time. He has no idea what he's doing and has openly admitted this after the fact. And then within a few years, now you have a real organization and you have Lawrence Frank, you have Doc just coaching the team. You have uh, Jerry West as the advisor and all the other people they brought in. And now that team knows what they're doing. And yet over and over again, some of these franchises think, They can do it the old way we did it in like the 70s and 80s where it's like, I'll just get Magic Johnson and he'll run the team. And it's like, you can't do that anymore. This is too hard of a job. And the people you're competing against are too good at it, you know?
1: Why is it always though like the the marquee teams that do this? Like the Knicks and Bill Jackson and the Lakers and Magic Johnson, teams with like unlimited resources who can write blank checks to whoever they want to write checks to. They they don't have the foresight to know that's not the way to go about their business and and really if if you're genie bust like once your head stops spinning and you know you answer like your nine thousand text messages about this subject
2: yeah
1: uh, is, is this not like manna from heaven like you, you gave the job to the guy everybody loved the Magic Johnson he proved over two plus years that he really wasn't up for the job yeah now you can go out and do what you should have done to begin with which is use that checkbook. To offer the job to the best GM out there. Now, I don't know if those top guys take the job, but I think there's going to be a lot of interest in it from a lot of people that you might not expect right away. And if you're the Lakers, you're worth like three plus billion. You've got a TV deal that pays you $180 million a year. You've got the Staples Center, which just prints money during your home games. Don't you just like FedEx a check to Sam Presti and say, right. like, you fill in the number? Like, don't you do that? Like, am I wrong to say you just at least go big, big game hunting with those GMs before you go down another list?
0: I have, I have an answer to this, but hold on. We got to take a quick break. Let's take a break to talk about ZipRecruiter. As the NBA playoffs approach, having a healthy team can mean the difference between a championship run and an early exit. This is why I like the Rockets. I think they're deep. I like their bench. I don't like the Warriors bench this year. And I don't know what to make of the Celtics bench. They, they, Celtics bench has too many people on the bench. Uh, you need depth at every position. Don't get stuck understaffed at a crucial moment. Keep your roster strong all year with ZipRecruiter. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. And the tech doesn't stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like and invites more, to, more people to apply. So effective, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners, guess what? You can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Once again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right. So I'm with you. Um. This mindset has gone badly a couple of times where the teams write the big check for somebody. Like we saw this with the Knicks and Phil Jackson. It didn't work, but they're also hiring a guy who I think was at the point in his career, much like magic, where he's not going to be burning the candle on both ends and competing against, you know, organizations like Boston. My, the thing we, we keep dancing around and we haven't talked about yet is I, I don't think there's any evidence that Jeannie Buss is a good owner. Rossello and I have talked about this on our podcast a couple of times. She seems like a very nice person, um, respected around the league. Everybody likes her. I don't think she, we have any indication she has any idea what she's doing or that she's better or worse than her brother was. And her brother was terrible. Um, the, 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 in retrospect, this magic Palenka combo was one of the worst ideas of the decade from from an NBA organizational standpoint. And, I don't trust that she's going to figure this out on the fly. What evidence do we have? So you talk about like, why don't teams do this? What is the common bond? It's bad ownership. It's not the bad front offices. It's the fact that James Dolan is the Knicks owner. The GMs can change, but he's still the owner. The bus family, since Dr. Jerry died, the GMs can change. They're still the owners. And I don't know. I, I think bad ownership is insurmountable. We had it in Boston. Remember way back when with, uh, with that with Paul Gaston the guy before Wick remember mm-hmm. does that Vin Baker yeah. trade to save a million dollars and meanwhile Vin Baker has like a serious alcohol problem and that trade the combination of that trade then that leading to Ray LaFrence with the Antoine Wa- I mean that set the team back 5 years um you can't recover from stuff like that so I I for me it's like I always goes back to the owner who are the really bad owners that who have actually had sustained success not Robert Sarver you know, you go down the line. It's like the owners are always follow the owners.
1: Yeah, you're either, you know, a known commodity as a good owner or an owner that just hires good people and stays the hell out of the way. That's what Peter Holt was for, for decades in in San Antonio. Just, you know, wash his hands of everything, loud pop and RC to kind of do everything down. I, I am I am willing to give Jeannie kind of a mulligan here. Uh, sure. Because she wrestled control away from from her brother. She hasn't free spent. I mean, the Lakers are still in a good position cap-wise. Um, True. So, so this was a whiff. Like, I'll, I'll give her another opportunity to do the right thing. But, it, like, if she goes out and, you know, hires Kobe, of all people, or, or <laughs> yeah. like, you know, says, like, I'd like AC a, a Green to be the assistant. I, I don't know. If she does, does one of those things, then you can sit back and say, all right, well, maybe she doesn't really understand what it takes to win in today's NBA.
0: I think she's been really, really, really good at working the media. Um, I think that's been her best skill so far. I also think, like, we don't know for sure if she's a bad owner yet. The evidence is pointing that way. But like you said, maybe this is her mug. And Steve Ballmer was not a good owner the first two years he owned the Clippers. And I Mm -hmm. think he's become a good owner. And I think Wick Grossbeck the first two years with the Celtics was not a good owner. And I think he eventually became a good owner. I I think there's a learning curve with this stuff. I always call it new owner syndrome, um, where those first two years... They think they have it all figured out and they don't. In her case, it did seem like part of the reason she hired Plank and Magic was to stay out of the way and to let them do, you know, basically carry the water and, and, you know, they just weren't ready to do it. I, I, I still feel like there's more to this story. Don't you? Like, this is just too weird that just on a whim, he decided to resign and not tell her that that, my red flags are going off. Put it that way.
1: There's this part of me that that can buy that, but again, this is magic. True. This is like, he he decided in 94, like, hey, you know, we lost five straight, so this kind of sucks, and I'm not going to be a coach anymore. And, you know, if if you remember that, (laughs) the magic hour, I know you were probably a big watcher back in 98. Yeah. But like, you know, the quotes that came out of that were like, this was just, he didn't even show up for, you know, some of the, the rehearsals and the production stuff. And I think his sidekick called it like an absolute disaster or something. Like, I mean, this is kind of, you know, just magic being like, eh, you know, this isn't, this isn't a heck of a lot of fun. So I, I'm just, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And look, then the owner stuff, like it's all, it's all about who you hire. Like, you know, Rick Grosbeck is a good owner now because you empowered Danny Ainge and, you know, Danny's done a terrific job. All the other owners you mentioned, you know, Cuban is like this eccentric guy that, you know, makes headlines, but Cuban, I think is a good owner because he put Donnie Nelson there and he put Rick Carlisle there and he kept yeah. them there, you know, for, for a generation. So, you know, th- this is her her shot right now. The Lakers, I think you'd agree, is still an incredibly appealing job. Like, there'll, there'll be people lining up to to get this job, uh, and, and this is going to be just a, a massive decision for. Her.
0: Well, and they have cap space, and they still have somebody who, if he can stay healthy for a whole year, is still one of the best five offensive players in the league, and is still LeBron. I don't,
1: I, I'm wondering what, what you like. What like the hypothetical is like, what if Sam Presti takes the the Laker job? What does Sam Presti do with LeBron James on day one? Like, is he taking I, Rich Paul's phone call on, on like who to sign or who to who to talk to? See, I,
0: I don't think somebody like Presti would take a job like that. I, I think there's too many landmines between the age of LeBron, um, the, the people around LeBron and, you know, you just watch their whole season get submarined basically by Rich Paul doing a planned news cycle around Anthony Davis's trade demand where, you know, I don't know if the Lakers knew that was coming or not, but that ruined their season, you know? And Gent- mm-hmm. did you see the quote Gentry had tonight? He said- uh, No. This is uh, from Nick Ferdell's Twitter feed. He said, Gentry said the fallout from the Davis to trade discussions for both the Lakers and the Pelicans was the most toxic situation he's seen in 31 years in the league. And he said, uh, basically, like, both just both teams were- kind of in ruins after it. And it's true. That was mm-hmm. when you just talk about a news leak coming out and how it affected everything. Like Anthony Davis lost a year of his prime, basically
2: mm-hmm.
0: he's 25 years old. This is year seven. Like, you don't know you can, you get hurt two years from now There's, you don't have a lot of years. Like when you're running at all cylinders and he just gave one away because of the stupid trade that really we have no idea even how close it was to come through. I I, I will never understand why they played it that way. Made no sense. Just doing the summer. I don't yeah know. Um, the
1: the the only the only reason I think Presty would would consider a job like that is that I don't think he he sees himself as an Oklahoma City lifer. I don't think that's going to be his only job. Yeah, in his career and and if he left now, he wouldn't be cutting and running on the Thunder. I mean, he, he'd have them set up for at least the next few years with with those guys signed. So the the timing m- might be okay for him to go, but. Uh, that would be the first phone call I would make. What about Ma- lure
0: him out of what about Masai? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I'd probably go to him, too. Uh, I'd definitely go to him if, if, if he was turned down. I think Masai would, would consider it. I mean, there's a part of Masai that I think has been a part of Masai for years. Always wanted to try a rebuild in Toronto. Like, he, he's yeah, been, the joke in Toronto for years was like, you know, that the, the press release of Dwayne Casey's firing was like printed six years ago and was just kind of <laughs> sitting on a server somewhere because right. he kept like winning, winning enough to keep the job. I, I think, I think Masai would want to rebuild, but again, the Lakers might throw like, I mean, what, what's too much money for the Lakers to throw at a top executive? Is it 15 million? It's not- Is it like 20 million? There's there's no dollar number that the Lakers would live or should limit themselves to. And, and that could be a factor in those negotiations as well, to be the highest paid, you know, GM like ever has been out there.
0: Well, and that's something the Knicks should have done a few years ago when they were spending the Phil Jackson money. Is they should have probably gone after somebody like Daryl or Presty or whoever. Uh, Jerry West we think is too old. He's eighty one. I don't, I don't see yeah, him being able to do the day to day anymore. He could be an advisor.
1: Either, I, I could see that. I don't, I don't see Jerry wanting to do all again. It goes back to all the things you have to do, and Jerry knows that too because Jerry did it for a long time. He, he, I don't think Jerry. I think he might go back to the Lakers just because it'd be like his triumphant return. But I I don't, I don't think he'd want that full-time job.
0: Bob Myers.
1: (sighs) I don't know, man. It's interesting if that whole thing kind of comes undone because Bob could have like, besides Kevin Durant leaving, like what do you do with Draymond Green this summer? Like (laughs) if you have an opportunity medication, to trade Draymond to trade him for like seventy five cents on the dollar to avoid paying him in twenty twenty, do, do you jump on that opportunity? Well, the and kind of reboot the thing around Stephen Clay.
0: What are, one of the better fake trades is if there was some sort of Horford for Draymond straight up, where they took a little extra money, maybe they'd have to throw in a contract, but whether that would be something that appealed to both sides, Celtics getting, you know, maybe would be able to save some money, whatever their plans are this summer, and God only knows. But um, yeah, I don't.
1: I I couldn't, I couldn't imagine Boston Horford's So important to them. Like I'm around that team a lot. Yeah. Horford is like the one sane voice all the time. (laughs) He's he's the one
0: sane human being. Well, I I was thinking more. He's, he's like $31 million next year. And if yeah,
1: but I mean, I mean, who cares? Like if Kyrie, you know, winds up coming back, like at that point, it shouldn't be an
0: object. Well, you know, that's a team that's in flux. The Warriors aren't flux. The Lakers aren't flux. Like, Really, everybody is in flux except for like three teams this summer. One one thing you mentioned about how Magic um, abruptly changes his mind on stuff. This actually happened to me when I worked with him on uh, an NBA countdown. We, we did that first year with him together. And then um, that summer, sometime at some point during the summer, they decided to keep Wilbon on PTI and hire Doug Collins. And then Magic was staying. We filmed this whole commercial thing we spent this whole day probably three four weeks before the season where we filmed all these commercials to get ready for the season me Jalen um Magic Doug Collins was there um and and then Magic quit with like like 10 days before the season abruptly because the Dodgers had made the playoffs and he was just like I I just I just don't want to do the show anymore and he just quit and it was, and it was kind of like this, where it came out of nowhere on a Thursday night. I remember I was in New York City, and I was devastated because I loved working with him. But this kind of reminded me today reminded me of that, where it's just out of nowhere. He just decided, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore, and that was it. And then it was just like carnage after. So
1: and just add it to the list. I mean, it's the next, like, I, I mean, that that story falls right in line with the. You know, the coaching and the TV show and and now this. It's just, look, he can be rich and he can have a lot of fun just being Magic Johnson. And he tried his hand at, at running the only franchise that would probably ever offer him that type of job. Right. It was a no-brainer to take it at the time. He probably learned something from it. He'll never, ever do it again. We'll never hear Magic resurfacing as an NBA executive
0: yeah. ever again. Oh, I wonder if he resurfaces on TV because he was basically lobbying for a job. One of the many weird things in that press conference was he was lobbying for an ESPN job. I heard him say Amina, who used to be my producer there, who I'm still friends with, and he was calling her out in the press conference. Amina, do you have a job for me? I was like, what's going on? (laughs) You're mad that other people were going for your job and now you're trying to get a job when when they've hired all the people for the show for the season. Now you're trying to get their jobs. What's happening? It was so strange.
1: I just want to be—I just want to be a fly in Luke Walton's office right now. Like, who would have thought Luke Walton wins like a power struggle with Magic? Oh confidence? my God! Like that—he's amazing. That he's the guy that that pulls it off. I mean, I don't know. I don't think. And before this even happened, I don't know how you felt about it, but I—you know—he was going to get fired. He knew he was going to get fired. Yep. But that—if I was the Lakers, I wouldn't have done it. Just because it, it takes there's like five guys at most that you can hire to coach a LeBron James team. And, like, three of them aren't really available. So who, who do you bring in that has the gravitas to coach a LeBron team and is 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 better x and O's-wise than Luke Waltz? You simply can't bring in you know, the equivalent of Penny Atkinson from a couple of years ago. You can't hire the hot assistant because it just wouldn't work with, nah. with LeBron, at least early on. So I would have kept him, but he's got to be sitting in his office just, I mean, he's such a laid back guy, but just having a good laugh that, that, that this is actually how it's all playing out.
0: And the whole thing was weird because he got hired before LeBron, uh, i mean, before Magic. And from the get go, it didn't seem like Magic really wanted him as the coach. And it really seemed like he wanted to put, I don't know, one of his own guys in there. Like I always heard Byron Scott. And then when LeBron was there this year, there was a lot of Jason Kidd buzz going around, which made sense because they played on the 08 Olympic team together and LeBron really revered Jason Kidd as a teammate and a leader that year. So that made yeah. sense to me if that was going to happen. Whether Jason Kidd ever gets an NBA job again after what Budenholzer has done with the Bucks that remains to be seen, but um just all around I listen, I I did a tweet about uh the the weirdest moments of of the season this year. Hold on, I'm just queuing it up. And I'd name this the new number one. Here are the other candidates. You tell me if you would put. So I had number one, Magic quits press conference. Number two, the Draymond KD near fight in the Clippers game. Number three, Anthony Davis throws a year of of his prime away for no reason. Uh, Number four, Carmelo does not make it to 2019 as a player. Number five was Butler declaring war on Minnesota for reasons we're still unsure of. Number six was the Bulls create a leadership committee. And then number seven was anything James Dolan did. Now, after I tweeted this, Zach Lowe tweeted back that he couldn't believe the season was so crazy. Markel Fultz didn't make the top seven. I also (laughs) think that's amazing. Did I leave anything out? Was there some sort of crazy Celtic story that should have made the top seven?
1: No, I mean, and the, the, the complete devolvement of the Celtics can't be that big a shocker given that we've seen like really talented teams yes. kind of go south in the past. I, honestly, I, I think on that list you just said out there, like Anthony Davis doing what he did is the only thing within shouting distance of the craziness. Like the magic thing is is like a Grand Canyon-sized gap between magic and everybody else. It's true. <laughs> like that story to me is that is that bonkers that two plus years in, He just kind of says, you know, screw it. I'm going to go do something else. And the Lakers are, you know, looking around, wondering what to do with themselves. And I I did love Bill. The Magic's like, I'm willing to sit in on the free agent meetings. Like, Like a free agent's going to look at Magic who caused the new level of dysfunction there as some kind of reason to go and play for the Lakers. That was another one that just had me kind of, doing the head slap, you know, while
0: I'm watching it on TV. Oh my God. I, I mean, I feel bad. I really liked magic. I loved working with him that year and I really thought he was a good guy. And it's just weird to watch somebody behave so strangely and almost like he didn't run it by anybody. It was like on a whim. Like he drove into work that day and said to himself, you know what? There's going to be a lot of reporters there. I think I'm just going to announce that I'm leaving. (laughs) that that'll be cool. I got some stuff to get off my chest, but didn't run it by anybody in his life. You know, like it, like his wife, Lon Rosen didn't just didn't, didn't ask anybody whether it was a good idea or not. And, uh, uh, it's a tough way to go out. I will, let's end on this. I think the Lakers from really winning the 2010 title, which started the decade for them. And you go through what happened the next year, a really bad title defense, where they get swept by the Mavericks. Uh, Andrew Bynum clotheslining J.J. Bray in the last game and just everything that happened that year. The next year, Kobe blows out his Achilles. And then you're talking, uh, really, they haven't, I don't think have been relevant as even a playoff anything for the whole decade. They have made the playoffs for six years. They have all these lottery picks. Only Ingram and... Lonzo Ball, are those the only two left out of all those choice lottery picks they have? This is Yeah. This was uh this was a really, really, really bad decade. Like the, the Celtics had after um, you know, they had that brief for comeback with the big three in ninety-one and ninety two, where they really were good enough to make the finals either of those years. 93 Reggie goes down in the playoffs, never see him again, then he dies. Um, then it goes through You know, the ML Carr era, Patino. That was a really dark eight-year stretch that included the best player in the team dying tragically. Um, And I think that was probably, all things considered, the totality of it a little bit worse than this. But this feels just as bleak. Uh, I guess the difference is at least they still have LeBron James. And there's still something to build around with cap space. I think Kawhi goes to the Clippers KD goes to the Knicks. I don't know where Kyrie goes. Um, I guess the cap space, I'm just not sure what that translates into. And it, and they could be in a situation like they were last year where they just couldn't get anybody. Like, do you think it's more realistic they get somebody or they don't get somebody?
1: No, I, I think it's more realistic they don't. And uh, a smart GM won't go out there and and spend, like won't become like you know Ernie Grunfeld circa 2016 where it's like, well, we've got this money, Everybody turned us down, so let's give it to the two thousand nineteen version of Jan Mahimi. Right. Um, and, and Andrew Nicholson. I, I think a, a smart GM that, that they would hire would just pour money back into one year contracts. The the problem like that that the Lakers now have is that like on an organic clock, they're they're not in a bad place, right? Like, you know, if, if Ingram comes back from this injury and, and I'm with you by the way, that that the blood clot thing is scaring a lot of teams. I don't know how tradable he is until, you know, all these medicals come back. Right come back clear, but like if, if he, you know, if they just were, like, growing this team through these young players, I wouldn't mind the kind of track they're on, but they're on a LeBron clock, too, and that's what makes everything, you know, so dysfunctional and so discombobulated down there. So, I don't, I don't know, do they, I mean, does does a new GM who, who isn't as qualified, as he go out and, like, offer Jimmy Butler four years in the max? Like, I mean, that that's risky. Uh, does he, you know, does he overpay for some of these second-tier guys? I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to get one of those top tier guys. Everything you said, I agree with. With with Kawhi, unless they get to the finals in Toronto, I think that might make things interesting. Uh, Durant in New York. Uh, who knows with Kyrie? But I don't think the Lakers are on the top of anybody's list. In fact, when you know all my my reporting over the last six months, is that they're not on the top of anybody's list right right now for, for different reasons. But they're just not there.
0: Well, in the worst case scenario, if you're a Laker fan, is they're so desperate to salvage some sort of contending atmosphere around LeBron that that's when you talk yourself into some really bad contracts that's when Jimmy Butler you end up four year max and you're not even competing against anybody because you're just so desperate to get the second star and ironically the last thing they need is another wing player what they really need is is somebody who can rebound and protect the rim which those guys are really hard to find
1: what year of what year Jimmy Butler are you paying for past performance like year two Like what year does he break down physically? And you're like looking at this $40 million per year contract as this albatross around your neck. That that's, he's one of the more risky free agents that are out there because I wonder what he's going to look like physically in a couple of years.
0: And I think Draymond is actually realistic for them. If the Warriors decide to move on from that and decide to move on from him for cap space and whatever else, I don't think Davis is realistic for them. I, I think the Clippers can trump any Lakers offer. I think the Celtics can trump any Lakers offer. And I think the Knicks, if they have Durant and they get it like, I don't know, the second, third, fourth pick and whatever else, I think they could trump any offer. I think the Lakers for me are fourth for assets, especially with Ingram's status, unfortunately, being up in the air. I I just don't, they're not, they're not bowling anyone over. Now, if they won the lottery with like a 3% chance or a 2% chance. I really think that actually would break Twitter. We always have the joke about, oh, that would break Twitter. <laughs> the Lakers winning the lottery, Twitter would break. It would be like Twitter no longer works. <laughs> we, need it. we need a new social medium. This is over. It's been broken. Uh, but that's really, that's their Hail Mary is the lottery, the 3% chance or whatever.
1: Yeah. And well, well, the Davis stuff, like the one thing I've always said is that if, you know, if Kyrie comes back and 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 I don't I don't know where to go with that that thought. I'm doing this I just filed actually yesterday this big Celtic story for the magazine next week. And you know, there's a lot of people at the top that still believe he's gonna be back and the, the amount of communication they have with him is surprising how much they talk to him on a daily basis on yeah. an individual level. But if he does come back, like it's a wrap on Davis because Danny doesn't care. Like he he like he will throw in everything he can possibly throw in there to make that deal happen yeah. because he believes it's probably right that with Kyrie there long-term Davis will want to be there long-term. He doesn't care, you know, how many times like Davis's father criticizes boss. He just doesn't care. Like, you know, Davis could like post a picture of him, like, I don't know, like knocking over the Bill Russell statue and they still trade for him yeah. because they, they want him, you know, that bad. So that's a wrap. The other, the other guy with the Lakers though, and this is, this is maybe only applicable in a magic Johnson world, but like Boogie Cousins, would magic have gone crazy on Boogie Cousins if he struck on everywhere
0: else? I, I, I still don't understand how Boogie did end up on the Lakers last year. It seemed that yeah. like for, if you're going to sign JaVale McGee, you might as well roll the dice with Boogie Cousins. Hey, or Beasley and some of the other things they did. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see. That That probably isn't going to take LeBron to the promised land. I'll put it that way. Um <laughs> I uh, I actually think they're probably better off using their cap space to try to trade for a couple assets and maybe a couple contracts teams are trying to get out of and get creative and then try to strike oil with, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to Jimmy Butler. I feel like one of these teams is just going to end up talking themselves into four years for him. The Philly fans aren't even that excited about him at this point. you know. I I, I don't know how that plays out. And for Boston, my worst fear is they do a one-on-one with Kyrie and then they trade for Davis and they basically put all the eggs in the 2019-20 basket. And they just convince Kyrie, just come back for one year. We're going to get Davis. Let's see how this is. Let's see how this goes. And then if it doesn't work, that's it. The, the house has been looted. We're done. <laughs> We've no assets left. Because you know they have to put Tatum in the Davis trade. So who's left at that point? If Kyrie and Davis, leave, they get them, then they leave a year later. Like, that's it. It's a wrap. The
1: the only thing, reason I would think they wouldn't do that is is just because they didn't do it with Kawhi. Like, they, they could have had Kawhi for some type of Jalen Brown-centric package. And yeah. They, they didn't want to do it because they didn't want to put all their eggs in 2019 because this was before Kyrie, you know, gave the speech and yep. they thought he was coming back and all that stuff. So it, it would be... It would just be it would go against what they did in um, in, in a year ago with uh, with Kawhi. But you, you know, I, the one thing about Kyrie and, and the short term deals, I, I still think the knee stuff is in his mind somewhere.
2: Mm. Like you know, the guy's
1: had three knee surgeries in like four years. Yeah, and, and when and I don't know if like looking at John Wall like resonates with him, but the John Wall injury and the fact that Wall's going to be sitting back with you know uh, maybe a fraction of his former self, whatever he comes back as, with four years and a buck seventy guaranteed. I got to wonder if that sits in Kyrie's mind. The guy said that many knee surgeries, does he go out there and say, you know, I I could maintain flexibility, but I got to make sure I get this guaranteed money in case my knee becomes a problem again.
0: Well, and if you're the Celtics, (laughs) does the John Wall contract weigh in your mind too? Do you want to give Kyrie a five-year deal? I don't think Danny
1: cares. I don't think Danny cares. I really don't. I I think he's going to go out there and, and full max him and then do the, then try to the Davis trade and call that his legacy and say I'm gonna I'm gonna cast my lot with with these two deals you know for the rest of my Celtic career. Well, it's
0: like the running joke with the Celtics organization for years and years was Danny would trade anyone, even members of his family, like he just doesn't care. And then and then it actually lived out with the Isaiah Thomas trade, which was the, one of the coldest trades in sports history. Uh, he will trade anybody. He will do anything. He doesn't care. And that's gonna be another interesting subplot. Well. This was uh, this was really fun. Do you, what, what's your next zone thing? Because we're kind of uh, we're kind of somewhat partners. So what do you have Saturday?
1: Saturday, that's right. I I, I listened to the Skipper podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys uh, do together. Saturday. We're in, I'm leaving tomorrow for Mexico. There's a Jaime Mangia fight down there, but everything, man, is barreling as you know, barreling towards May fourth with Canelo and Jacobs, and uh, then uh, the New York fight, which I think is going to be incredible. Anthony Joshua. And Jarrell Miller I've been to some of those fights with the big British stars yeah. on US soil and those Brits men you know they come they oh, party they, they, Ricky Hatton I was at that fight with with Pacquiao oh, I went to that too that, that
0: was a crazy crowd I love that
1: incredible yeah I think I think AJ is going to bring the same type of of atmosphere especially with it being a shortish flight for a lot of them to get to New York
0: well cool I look forward to all of it Chris Mannix this is a pleasure let's do it again anytime Bill Let's take a break. Talk about Simply Safe. Nothing better than going to a game with the family, but once you've settled in your seats, thoughts of home can get a little distracting, right? Did I lock the front door? Did I shut that window? Well, you should never have to worry about break-ins. Simply Safe home security has everything you need to stop fear at the front door. With Simply Safe, your home is protected twenty-four-seven with security experts on standby to send the authorities in an emergency. Plus, Simply Safe will keep working if the power goes out, if the Wi-Fi goes down, or if a burglar smashes your keypad, so you know your home is secure always. Now I'm not the only guy who thinks it's smart. Simply Safe is the top choice security system for CNET, PC Mag, and more than three million people. Try Simply Safe. See how good it feels to fear less. Go to simplysafe.com slash BS to learn more. That is Simply Safe with two eyes. SimplySafe.com slash BS. All right, so we did Dirk Nowitzki with Mark Stein yesterday. We talked about his great year. And today, Dwayne Wade, another one who is um, wrapping it up. Somebody who has never been on this podcast before. Uh, Stu Gatz, John Wiener. I always call you Stu Gatz, but you do have a real name. You're from The Levitard Show, um, you where you have found national stardom and acclaim. You have your own podcast. Uh, things are blowing up for you, and nobody is more surprised than you.
3: Nobody is uh, more surprised uh, than I am. I think maybe my dad's probably a uh, a very close second. Um, I think if you told my dad I was doing this when I was 15 and very shy and hadn't said a word to anyone yet in public, uh, he would have fell out of his chair thinking I'd be doing this. But... Uh, what? But yes, here we are, Bill. I am very surprised and I am honored to be on the podcast and I realize, you know, maybe you need a little uh, rub from uh, my Stugats army and stupidity and I'm happy to give that
0: to you. <laughs> Stugats army. The <laughs> What uh before we talk about Wade, what is it like to be the world's premier take artist? Cuz I really feel like you you've become an elite take assassin. The show takes advantage of it. Uh you you receive wide acclaim. Uh what is it wh- when did you really feel like you mastered the take?
3: Um, that's funny because, uh, you know, I set out, Bill, always wanting to be, uh, Chris Russo and really caring about sports. And I still care about sports that way. Yeah. Uh, but I also care about entertaining our audience and, and doing, uh, doing the show that we do, because I think we're doing it. Uh, I think we're doing it in large part the right way. Um so the hot takes were always something that came natural to me because I yeah. wanted to be Chris Russo and I grew up listening to Chris Russo and then I realized uh, the real value, my real value, and the way I would uh, the way I would continue to soar in this business is not by trying to be Chris Russo, but by mocking Chris Russo. And right. so Right. And so now the takes are so over the top um that I'm not even certain when I'm being serious or not. And so um, that, you know, I mastered it at a very young age. It always came naturally to me, just dismissing people. And, uh, yeah. you know, this guy's got more rings than that guy. Uh, but now it's a complete, complete mockery of, uh, of all the other hot take orders out there, but let them know and I will let them know right now. No one is, when I'm serious and when I'm passionate about something, no one is better at the order of the hot take than I am. No one.
0: Well, you, in this country. you heard my feelings last October. You made fun of me about the demons at Yankee stadium that I felt. During yeah. uh, the Red Sox, I had to call in and defend myself, and and then yeah. uh, we won the title, and then we won again with the Pats, and guess what? I still feel like the Demons are my life, and you can't change how I feel about that. I'm sorry.
3: Well, I was going to ask you, how are the Demons doing? Because the Red Sox, what are they off to? A two in, what is it? A two and seven? Two and eight stars? A lot of so Demons. White Evans up in the attic crying? <laughs> What's happening?
0: <laughs> a lot of Demons. Really, really worried. The Demons in <laughs> 2012? yeah i would say arguing with you about this because you've had really no success at all as a fan of any team in a long time other than uh the two miami heat titles which you kind of belatedly adopted them um so you're just angry Um, about sports so you take it personally when when people who have had success then also feel dramatic about it uh
3: i do and listen you know it's I'm I'm not really a Heat fan. I'm I'm a Knicks fan, but you know, I've kind of adopted the team just from living down here. Um, but Bill, it's easy to be angry when you root for the teams that I root for. And it's easy to to, to you know to, to sculpt the art and craft the hot takes when you're a Mets fan, a Jets fan, a Knicks fan. Um, it's incredible. You know, Mets and Jets by choice. We're all kind of saddled with the Knicks, but yeah, I've had I've had one World Series in nineteen eighty six, so when I hear uh, and I haven't seen the Jets do anything, and, and the Knicks have been a complete disaster my entire life, with the exception of the Riley Van Gundy years, where Michael Jordan was there to stop us at every turn. Yes. And if it wasn't him, it was Elijah Wan. Um, and so I've had nothing to hold on to, nothing to latch on to. I haven't seen too much success. And so, yeah, it drives me crazy uh, when you talk about your fucking demons <laughs> after winning, you know, I don't know how many World Series and Super Bowls you've won since 2000. I, I, I
2: lost count. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, you lost count, right? <laughs> right, right. It's
2: like twelve. I mean, you lost
3: count, and I could count on on with one finger the amount of championships that I've won. Uh, and it was in '86, and and that felt good because it came at the expense of your Red Sox. You know, my dad's a Red Sox fan, by the way. So, uh, oh Jesus, he hasn't he hasn't mentioned the demons in in, in a decade, Bill, because he knows better. Like, he, knows, he, <laughs> know, he knows I'm going to come after him if he talks He's about He's a smarter
0: the- Man than I am. The Jets, the fans that root for the Jets, Knicks, Mets, that trio. Usually yeah. the people from New York, though might have two of the three um, best case scenario zero of the three. And it's the rare species that has all three. Sean Fennessy, who uh, is the editor in chief of the ringer and our chief content officer, he ha- he roots for all three. And he is probably the most bitter sports fan I know in my everyday life. I'm not with you every day, but it really is a special level of, of bitterness. Like when the Patriots do well, Especially because the Pats and Jets were like dead even there for, you know, through 2000, um, just for futility. And then all of a sudden the Pats ascend. Um, He really, really hates the Patriots, like in a real visceral way, which I know you identify with. Like you have real hate in your heart for some of this stuff, right?
2: Yeah, I
3: do. It's 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 funny. More so the Patriots than the Red Sox because I you know, I've seen the Mets win a World Series and, against and the they Red won Sox. it against the Red Sox yeah. and it's it it was a legendary series. Um and so with the Jets, you're right. Like I don't think people realize, Bill. In fact I'm guessing most don't. Um, just how bad the Patriots were leading yeah. up until two thousand. They were the Jets. In fact, the Jets were probably better for, you for were. a long stretch of time.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You had more the Jets had had won a Super Bowl and yep. you'd had like a sign, your signature player was Joe Namath. Our signature yeah. player was John Hanna, the left guard. That was our guy. <laughs> right. So so no, I
3: wasn't alive for that Super Bowl. Like I was born after the Jets won their Super Bowl. So yeah. I've never I haven't been alive for the Jets, let alone win a Super Bowl. They haven't played in a Super Bowl. Um, you know, the best thing, the, the, the best years for me were, were the Richard Todd years. Um, <laughs> and then fast forward more recently to, to Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan. Going oh, to God. Back AFC Championship. I mean, how
0: games. sad so, is that?
3: Like, like, Bill, you're in a shitty place if, if when you look back at your organization, uh, like I do with the Jets, and you say to yourself, wow, the best coach we ever had was Rex Ryan. Like that's like, yeah, that's why we walk around and we're miserable. And then, you know, it doesn't help matters that the Patriots, the one team that we can got to laugh at and look down to um, it. It doesn't help that you have the greatest quarterback that's ever lived combined with the greatest coach who's ever lived. And you've won five Super Bowls. And, and yeah, it's not the Red Sox that drive me crazy. It's the fucking Patriots. It's Tom Brady. I need, be- I need Brady. I need Belichick. I need him out of my life. I need him out of my life right now. And And it feels like they're going to be in my life for at least another decade.
0: Yeah, don't be don't worry like, out Brady just
3: starting. Like, have we entered Brady's prime? Where are we with Brady,
0: Bill? <laughs> Brady, <laughs> Brady might not be a human being. It's very possible. <laughs> like, uh, he might might be some sort. When watching that Facebook Tom versus Time thing, like he's really just this alien machine that was created to play football, and that's all he cares about. You know, he's he's in shape. All he does is work out and eat the right things and take care of himself and trained to play football and it's, he wasn't even that good in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. at least um, he was good in the other two games, but um, he's going to be 42 this year. And right. the one thing we've learned about sports over and over again, which, you know, now we're seeing with Newitzki and to a lesser degree Wade is like, it has to end at some point. It always ends for everybody. This is just the way it goes. And yet with Brady, it's hard to see a finish line because he looks better than ever. He has more hair than ever. Um, right. He's still, he's won three (laughs) Super Bowls the last four years. It's hard to see where the finish line is. I don't know.
3: Yeah. And it's funny. He's got more hair than ever. That's funny. Um, yeah. And he looks better than ever. And so like, I was talking about this with Levitt's on our show. Um, if I told you in a weird, strange world, like if you had a, 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 a prop at a future bet, uh, 10 years ago, who's going to retire first? The Patriots tight end with a Patriots quarterback who's already been in the league for 10 years. It's amazing. And you took Tom Brady at plus $1 billion. Congratulations. Like, that. like, think about that. Gronk retires, you know, <laughs> before Tom Brady. If I told you 10 years ago, who's going to retire first, Bill? Gronk or Tom Brady? Uh, you would have told me Brady, and you would have laughed me out of the room. Like, There's an even better Brady. version. And if you want to chalk it up to, you know, nutrition and working out and all the right food, uh, go ahead. Feel free. I chalk it up to that doctor who's no no longer allowed to stand on the sidelines.
0: (laughs) 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 There's a better version of that prop bet that my buddy Hench came up with. When they drafted Gronkowski, so second round, right? Goofball from Arizona with a bad back. If you had said, Rob Gronkowski will make the Hall of Fame before Tom Brady does, but they'll both make the Hall of Fame. That would have been like, what would that have been? Like 5 billion to one? Because he would have, you had to play at least nine seasons, right?
3: (laughs) That is really, that is funny. But it's going to happen. I've never even met him, and I love that
0: Uh, guy. You would love, Um, Hench, if you think I have the demons, Hench, I get 500 word emails just today. The Red Sox lost opening day. We're taping this on a Tuesday. And he's just furious. He's like, I know I shouldn't be furious. We just won the World Series, but. And then it's 500 words, but that's the thing. Like for the people that suffered when they were young, um, and, and had some really horrible losses and that just became who they are. It's really, it's really hard to shake out of that. You don't like, this is what I was arguing about with you six months ago, the demons. Like it's just hard to ever find peace when you've had so little peace for the first like quarter of your life, you know, or the first third of your life. What's interesting with the Mets jets, Knicks combo so fantasy I think is like 36 or 37. So he doesn't Ooh. even remember the 86 World Series. He was alive for it but has no recollection of it. You have these right. these fans for those three teams who are now late 30s who have no recollection of any happiness. Where like you know Vinnie Testaverdi almost beating the Broncos in 98 is one of their top 5 highlights. It's yeah, pretty crazy
3: it's it's been it's it's listen it's not only that the Jets are lousy and it's not only um just how lousy that they are but but and here's a funny stat real quick I think a five-month-old baby born in Boston has seen more championships than than me (laughs) if you're
0: oh my god
3: than 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 a 45 year old man who's a who's a Jets Mets and Knicks fan and listen the Jets and Mets are by choice like that's that's me growing up in Long Island the Jets and Mets both played in Shea Stadium and New York kind of divides along those lines. Like if you grew up in Long Island, chances are you're a Jets and Mets fan. If you grew up in like Staten Island, Manhattan, Connecticut, Jersey, you're Yankees, and uh, your Yankees and Giants. We're all stuck. We're all saddled with the Knicks, unfortunately, because we're not a second basketball team. So we're forced there. Uh, but yeah, it's really depressing. Like it's not just the way. It's just not. It's not how bad the Jets have been, built. It's the way they lose, the most excruciating ways that they lose. Right. They never have three timeouts at the end of the half. Like They don't just lose. They lose in the most painful of ways, and it's a disaster. And then you combine that with the Patriots' success, and it's really bad. And think about the division that you played in. Like, no one is challenged. Think about this, Bill. You're playing in a division with the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins. Like, And, and so it's, while it's everyone great. is going out and grabbing on Bells during the first week of free agency, Belichick's on vacation,
2: you know, shirtless, <laughs> jumping off a dock or jumping off a boat, waiting for the second week
3: of yeah. free agency, because that's where he wins Super Bowl. Not in the first week. He wins them in the second week of free
0: agency. That's his week. He does I some bargain that. shopping. Yeah, the, who are the quarterbacks in our division this year? We have Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Josh, and Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Allen. Those yeah. are the three.
3: Josh, think about that, Bill. That's Honestly. like
0: twelve picks. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's twelve picks <laughs> right? for our defense right now. Over under right? I
3: mean, think, what's the who's been the second best quarter since Brady's been the starting quarterback for the Patriots, who has been the second best quarterback.
0: Oh Jesus. Was,
3: that he's had to face, please don't tell me it's Mark Sanchez. Is it Mark Sanchez?
0: No, I would have said the the one year, but was in Buffalo was probably. Oh yeah. Probably the yeah. best one, which by default, I mean, I can Miami had Chad Pennington was good on either the dolphins or the jets for like two years. And I don't remember which team he was right. on, but well, one was, of those, he was
3: the runner. MVP that one year with the Dolphins. They, they I think that's the year
1: Castle uh, Brady got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Made. So
0: that, so that was probably right. that's up there. Um, Buffalo, right. <laughs> Buffalo really forget Buffalo. Nobody. And, and the yeah. Jets had, yeah,
3: the Jets
0: had the Jets, the Jets had Sanchez. I will we'll say um, the Sanchez did come into Foxborough and win an AFC title title game or, it, it, or a second it, round the, well, game. No, whatever he that won was.
3: the he won that divisional game. Right? Yeah, they they second the second rounder. The AFC yeah. Game.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, um, uh, yeah. Like, listen, like Sanchez—that's <laughs> the height of 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 you know my jet fandom is more Sanchez than Rex Ryan, and and you know I, I'm not even certain. It, well, Rex Ryan's working at ESPN, and <laughs> is Sanchez still playing in the NFL? Like,
0: now I I think you're closer to playing in the NFL now than either of those guys. <laughs> um,
3: well, the- so anyway, yes, I hate your Patriots, and I listen. I, I listen. Wherever Mosey Tatupu is, right? If he's in your <laughs> attic, I don't know where the fuck he is, but yeah. I don't care. The like,
2: demons? I I, just,
3: I, yeah. I I don't care about your demons anymore. Well, you're, like, you I'm going to make you care. Bill, help me out, because eventually they're just going to get lucky and win. Are you telling me that five Super Bowls or two Super Bowls, they're not going to erase the last 45 years of misery I've gone through?
0: Yeah, Well, six, mate. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, the sports highlight for you had to have been when... Uh, When LeBron comes to Miami, you're doing this radio show with LeBitard back when he still followed sports. The two of you Mm -hmm. are are so excited about the LeBron thing. And then all of a sudden, um, America turns and you become the wrestling heels for eight months followed by the collapse in the 11 finals and people like me coming on your show being like, I told you so. You can't win with three guys. And then you (laughs) proceed to win titles the next two years with both middle fingers raised in the air. Everybody's shitting on yeah. your fans. They show up late. They don't follow basketball. But you really were the center of the basketball universe there for four years. So that that was a win.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, that was a big win for, for Levitar because he cares so much about the city of Miami uh, and that organization. It was, a, it was a massive win for me on a totally selfish and personal uh, level, it was a big win for us because our show, you know, really exploded uh, when we got, when we got LeBron and Bosch down here to go with Dwayne Wade, it really, it really exploded. And I I always say that studio we have at the Cleveland, there's not the house that LeBron built. That's the house that LeBron built. And yeah, um, yeah, I mean, you know, with a little contribution from Dan. And so, yeah, it was a really exciting time. Like, you know, to win the two championships, to get to four straight, that first one still hurts because you went from Wade and LeBron shadow boxing in the corner of game one because they thought it was going to be a cakewalk uh, to losing that series and LeBron being afraid to post up J.J. Barea. Like, yeah. all that. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday and all that. That, that still hurts because he probably should have won three, three titles in those four years there. Um, but there were so many big moments and so many great moments, and those guys really... Uh, again from a personal standpoint it did it did a couple of things bill it It kind of legitimized miami a little bit uh as a destination as a sports city and then for our show it really uh it vaulted our show to to a level that that quite frankly we didn't we didn't realize we could get to we didn't i don't i don't know if we thought we would get to this level but but certainly those guys. And I think we handled it well for our market. Our show handled that that ever that well for our market because our market's not super serious. Um, you're right. They come late. They leave early. Uh, I left before the Ray Allen shop because I wanted to get home. <laughs> <laughs> you left before the Ray Allen and shop? I wasn't alone. I mean, there were oh, a lot no. of people walking out of that arena with me. And so, uh, but
2: oh, yeah, my it was a really,
3: it was, it's probably the coolest four years for me as a sports fan that I've had um, uh, in my lifetime. It was just a cool
0: thing to be a part of. A small well, part. and then the other thing, you know, I mean, we just had the NBA finals the last four years. Half of it was in Cleveland. I'll do respect to Cleveland, but I think going to Miami, especially like I was doing countdown those last two years in 13 and 14 and going to Miami for these big chunks of time, it was like winning the lottery. I mean, Miami is unbelievable, yeah, yeah. especially you're going to Miami in June. It's, you know, it it's just out of control. And I, I, I don't know if I ever would have known Miami was such a cool place. It's honestly one of my favorite cities. And I would have had no idea if LeBron didn't go there, right? I wasn't there for the 06 finals. You probably weren't making it again. And this leads to Dwayne Wade, the greatest trick he ever pulled, convincing LeBron to come to his city to play with him, which we're going to get into right after this break. Hold on. Hey, we're going to take one more break to talk about, guess what? The Masters is this week. And if you missed it, Joe House was on Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, giving his master's picks. The Degenerate Trifecta also weighed in on Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. And then, I don't know if you know this, Joe House has his own podcast about golf called Fairway Rolling. It's presented by Callaway. He has already done his giant master's preview. He's going to do another, I think, I, at least three podcasts over the course of the next few days. Including uh, Sunday night right after the masters ends, we'll have one up there, and don't forget house knows not only golf but but he knows good gambling bets and if you want to bet on the gambler on the uh masters or you want to do a little uh daily fantasy whatever whatever floats your boat, house is there to help House was on fire last year House won me money last year with the masters and with the u s open actually, so listen to fairway Rollin, rolling listen to against all ads and uh and don't forget to enjoy the masters. This week. All right. So rank these, rank these feats by Dwayne Wade in order of, uh, how spectacular you think they were. Um, okay. Okay. His 2009 season (laughs) when he was like 38 and five with a 30 plus PR and they won 47 games and neither of us can name two other guys in that team. Um, 6 finals, 97 free throws, 36 points a game. Just the closest <laughs> thing to a Jordan impersonation that we've seen since Jordan. Or convincing LeBron to play with him when LeBron was the biggest free agent in the history of the league. What would you, How would you rate oh, wow. those? One, two, three.
3: That is such a good question. Uh, we'll put the... Uh we'll put the first one third. So that's, that's the year I think before LeBron got here. Right. With the yeah. third, all that. Oh, stuff and we can't name the, Right. So let's, let's, incredible let's, let's season. put that, It was an incredible season. Listen, I, I, I told people, I think it's probably Spolster's best coaching job he's ever done. Yeah. And that's a guy who's been to four finals and won two championships. Right. Because he didn't have those guys. And so that was pretty impressive. And I think if you want to point to anything about Eric Spolster, you point to that season because yeah. the other seasons he did what he was supposed to do. right? Um, and then, wow, this is a tough one because Dallas—he wins that—he wins that championship against Dirk. He, he basically by does it by himself. Yeah, he's the—he's
0: the, he's the um, only go-to guy in the team. Shaq, its like a different stage of his career. Shaq. hes a little banged up. Can't go to him in the last six minutes, really at all. Right.
3: Uh, I'm going to put man. Right, I'm going to put that as, as impressive as that was and was on the court. I'm still going to put that second because the most impressive thing that he's done is is convince LeBron James uh, not just to team up with him and Chris Bosh, but to do it in his city. Like, yeah. LeBron could have said, hey, Dwayne, I want to do it here in Cleveland, or I want to do it there in New York. And Dwayne was like, no, we're going to do it right down here in Miami. And so to convince a guy like that, to come down to his city and they figured it out like, you know, to be kind of second fiddle to Wade. And then they realized, okay, they can't win this thing without LeBron doing it. But yes, to convince those two guys to come down and play for uh, play, you know, for Spolstra and Riley in Dwayne's city uh, to me is the most impressive thing that he's done in his career. But, but Bill, that's what makes him great. Like the unselfishness, the willingness to, and, and it's, and it's interesting. And, and tell me if you agree with this, I think if he played so we we always compare Wade to to Kobe and who's the second best two guard or third best two guard I know you think Jerry West is ahead of Dwayne Wade but the reason I put Wade ahead of Kobe is I think Wade because of his unselfishness would have recognized what he had with Shaquille O'Neal and Would have kept that thing together and probably won more championships with Shaquille in his prime than Kobe did. I know they won three, uh, but Kobe clearly wanted to be the guy on a championship-winning team, and eventually he did that uh, when he was the guy with Pau Gasol. I think Wade would have recognized what he had with Shaq and kept that thing together, and they would have won more championships uh, together than Kobe and Shaq did. Does that make sense to you?
0: It does. Can I give you a counter?
3: Yeah. Course. I think
0: the fact that Wade won his title so early in his career gave him a lot of leeway and freedom to make decisions like that. Um, okay. We In Kobe's case, he wins the title, but he's the second best guy on that team for all three titles. Even though right. one of those years, I think he was probably the third best guy in the league. Um, but right. he was never no, the no, guy.
3: So what you're saying is with Wade... So he already, he already had that title where he was clearly the alpha. He, he had the alpha title.
0: Yeah. So now he's starting so he had, to think so about. So he had that
3: stashed away. So it, so it was easier to make the decision that, Hey, I'll, I'll play, I'll play Pippin to, to, to But the, to But, he, but here's the other thing.
0: Two. So this is where I slightly disagree with you. That's
3: interesting though.
0: I don't think he ever intended on being Pippin. I think they were going to be co-MJs and, in my opinion, that team never really fell into place until that second year when he got banged up and LeBron had to kind of throw the team on his back a little bit. And Wade was a little bit limited. He wasn't a hundred percent. And that's when he took the back seat. And that's when they really started playing well. Um, and that's when the streak happened when Wade, you know, and this was a casually, I, I, I'm a big Wade defender. Um, and even if you go back and read my book, I think the paperback came out in 2010. I thought I thought Wade's career to that point was just better than Kobe's first eight, nine years of his career. It was just more consistent, better teammate. Um, I just thought he gave you a better chance to win, did more with less, all that stuff. But he took so many, so many uh hits and so much punishment those first seven years of his career, the way he played that i don't think it was sustainable you know you go back and look at his free throw attempts he's at like 10 11 a game you know year yeah. after year the yeah. same way harden is but he's I, I just don't think he's built the same way harden is you know he Wade, weighs like what 63 and was taking yeah, big he's like big six hits
3: it's six But 64 but but bill it's it's funny you bring this up because i i vividly remember me and dan discussing like this kamikaze style that you're right, it's not hoarded. He played like this kamikaze style. He was always hitting the floor and always getting hit. And I remember Dan and I saying, like, this isn't going to last long. Like, it's impossible for him to sustain this and be this great for this long when he's playing this style of basketball. Uh, Now he's changed his game a little bit, and he hasn't embarrassed himself late in his career. Uh, and that's nice to see. Like, he's he's not going out as an embarrassment uh, this week. He's, he's going out as a guy who could still, you know, give you something uh, on any given night. Um, but, yeah, I remember us talking about that. And so I think you're right. Like, I think winning that championship combined with the style of play um, – yeah, it made it easier for him to go out and get LeBron and Chris Bosh, and and because he needed those guys. Bill, we agree, right? Like Wade doesn't win another title unless he recruits LeBron down to Miami. That's it. Yeah, well, LeBron the, the league
0: got better. I think you in the mid two thousands it was realistic to win a title with the team that he had in oh six or the team Duncan had in oh seven. But I right. think the league more and more talent came into the league, and at some point you needed at least two All Stars or two you know two top fifteen guys. I wrote, so in 2006, I wrote about Wade and I wrote, quote, Wade takes an Iversonian punishment every game, only he's not a freak of nature like Iverson was slash is. If Wade doesn't start picking his spots, he'll go Earl Campbell on us and be gone from the league by 2011. And that wasn't like a hot take. It was like, this guy's got to change how he plays or he's going to get hurt. And I think we started to see the effects really that second Miami season with LeBron. And, you know, he he drifted into what became the second part of his career. I still feel like, I thought he was incredible in that first Miami season. And you go back and you look and he was second team all NBA that year. Kobe was first team and it was a joke. Wade was one of the three best players in the league that year. Um, And in that Dallas series, and I went to those games and I remember writing about this. When LeBron really started to shrink from the moment in a really tangible way, you could feel it. Wade, Wade, that was something of the best basketball he ever played in those Dallas games at Dallas where he could feel it slipping away. And he was like frenetic, like really, really full, full alpha dog. I got this. Come on, LeBron. I need you. I need you with me. And I don't think he was ever as good again with LeBron as he was that first season. And the stats back it up.
3: No, I, I, I think you're probably, I think you're probably right. And I think Wade probably had some moments where he was looking at LeBron in that first season being like, how's going on? Man. Yeah. I, you down it, here to finish. <laughs> I got you down here to finish this off. Why am I the guy finishing this off or trying to finish this off? Um,
0: that was tough. That was, LeBron was in a bad spot. Looking back, like I... Bill, he, it was
3: weird, right? Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was, it was, there was, it was a it was weird a, energy. It was strange. It, it, he didn't want to post up J.J. Barea. It's like, he didn't want to win. It was... It was crazy, right? Like think back about think about that. Like It was they like went what? from shadow boxing in game you remember this, yeah, right? I remember game one, they're feeling great about themselves, they're punching each other, shadow boxing the corner, and then it just it, it all fell apart. And not because of anything that Dwayne Wade did, LeBron simply came like he just folded. He did uh, in the pressure of all of that. And, and to this day I still can't kinda of wrap my head around I remember talking to LeBron right after that series or a couple of weeks after and I said, What have you been up to the last to, he was on our show, and we said, "What's been up to the last two weeks?" He said, "I haven't left the house." It was like it was like the first time he had spoken publicly, right? And he said, uh, "I just haven't. I'm 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 as miserable as I've ever been. I haven't left the house, and I'll never be able to figure that out." But I think you're right as it relates to weight. I think in that in that first NBA Finals with LeBron, he was probably as Bill. Can we say he was as good as he was in '06? Because he was pretty damn good in that final.
0: I thought they were. I thought that first. Miami year that they were equally good. LeBron was probably slightly better because he was a better all-around player, but right. there was no Jordan Pippen thing. Those guys were like co-alphas. No. And I, to to this day, that was the weirdest ongoing thing I've seen in a basketball series that where I've actually been to the games where um, the moment seemed like it was too big for LeBron. Dallas had really figured out how to kind of Handle him offensively, and Chandler was just always in the right spot coming over to block his drives, and Marion was on him, and they were just throwing all these different dudes on him. And then on the flip side, um, they were kind of attacking him with some of their guards, and then baiting him with the JJ Barea thing, where just they they were just trying to get in his head that whole those last four games, and it worked. Which yes, you don't think would really happen anymore, especially to somebody who would end up being in the conversation for best basketball player ever. But, um, it was an amazing coaching job and it was an amazing failure. And I think it was, you know, eight months of, or 10 months of pressure and the fact they didn't have a bench, um, like you're
3: there, like you're, you're on, you're on the cusp of winning that elusive NBA title. And then you fold in that spot. And so not to get all like LeBron, Jordan, Kobe comparisons and all that stuff, but that's just, those are things, listen, Kobe might not have won that series, but he would have gone out shooting, right? And same with Michael. And that was the thing. That's why I just can't put Michael in the same, uh, I mean, LeBron in the, in the same category as those guys. From from, from just a pure competitor and, and winner standpoint, it's like that, that Kobe and, 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 and Michael— that never would have happened. They would have posted up JJ Berhea. they would have taken those shots. LeBron was playing hot potato. He couldn't get the ball out of his hands quick yeah, enough and give it to someone else. And and that's just you it's so strange to see from someone who many consider to be the, you know, second best player of all time and some think he's the best. Um, it's why I just can't put him there because I am stuck with those memories of him just trying to get the ball out of his hands to someone else as quickly as possible, rather than grab the moment and try to win your team a championship.
0: And then in, t- in 2012, he flipped the script, had that great game in Boston. In 2013, everyone remembers the Ray Allen shot. But the fourth yep. quarter of that game, when it was really starting to slip away, and LeBron played like one of the best eight-minute sequences I've ever seen anyone play. So this is the flip side of what we were talking about. He was sure. uh, just absolutely outstanding for about eight minutes there, just would not let them lose. And San Antonio just kept hitting shots and making plays. And then finally he missed a couple and it just seemed like it was over. They get, you know, they get a missed free throw. They get a rebound that they never should have gotten that four spurs could. And all of a sudden, they're, they're winning the title two days later. Um, right. And Duncan
3: missed that. Remember, don't forget, Duncan missed that little bunny there too. In so game seven, yeah. Free, um, yeah. The
0: uh, And then 14, I that one... That one flipped fast. Miami was heavily favored in that series. And the Spurs just, it was just their time. And then all of a sudden LeBron was leaving. I remember saying on TV that, wondering about if this was his final home game and people getting mad at me that uh, that game right. five. But um, it ended pretty portable. fast. So Wade, do we hold it against Wade at all that he left and came back? Like we just, we're going to pretend Chicago and Cleveland. That's just kind of a blip in history now, right?
3: <laughs> uh, it's not for me, uh, because I'm petty. So I remember it. Um, <laughs> I, I think it is funny as we're doing this kind of, you know, as he's taking the victory lap and he deserves it. Um, I'm telling you, I never thought in my dad, Bill, I never thought in my lifetime, I would, I would say this, um, that, that a basketball player in the city of Miami is the most beloved athlete, Uh, in the history of this city, um, I I never thought I'd say that when I moved down here, it was Marino, the dolphins, the canes and nothing else. Uh, but he has surpassed, he has surpassed Marino in terms of just how people, uh, how beloved he is down here. He is, he is our most famous athlete and, and which is in part, what makes this very, very sad. And also you want to lob in the fact that you think about who's next in Miami, We're not even close. I mean, there's no one on the Heat. There's no one on the Panthers. There's no one on the Dolphins. Uh, There's certainly no one on the Marlins. They traded everyone away. Like we're not even close to having another Dwayne Wade uh, come through this city. And so, um, yeah. But when you talk about the teams, you know, yeah, that hurt. Like him going. And I think I think Dwayne probably uh, now, armed with hindsight, regrets that. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, it seemed like it got petty on both sides, where he wanted more money than he was worth, and they just stood up to him.
3: Right. Well, and listen, I don't blame Wade. Like he's the guy like, Hey, I'm the reason Shaq wanted to come here. I'm the reason like that. That's the thing with the big three. Yeah. People will assign a lot of the credit to, to, to Pat Riley. No man, that thing happened because of Dwayne Wade. That was it. Like, listen, Riley's great at his job, but, but LeBron came down here to play with his best friend. LeBron came down here to play with a guy who can win him a championship. And Bosch came down here to play with his friend. Like that thing was all done by Dwayne Wade. Riley just kind of finished it off. And so, uh, but yeah, no, I don't forget that he left here. Like, yeah, it's you know, Heat lifer. No, it's it's not Heat lifer. Like I I remember telling Dwayne, you know, recently when he was on the air, like there are certain guys that should be playing in the same uniform their entire career. And it, in my mind, you were one of those guys. And to go to Chicago and then Cleveland. Uh, for a couple of more dollars, to me, just didn't make sense. And and really, when you consider state taxes, I think the heat offer was better. But I do understand the guy wanting to be paid a lot of money for, uh, by an organization, even though he's past his prime, because he he got that organization at that time, maybe the most famous team in the history of the NBA, and, and he wanted to get paid for it.
0: Yeah, Stein and I talked about this a little bit in uh, the pod we did, about this weird inflection point we're at right now where— it's, it's clear that as your career is ending, you would much rather have it unfold the way it's unfolding for Nowitzki in Dallas and Wade in Miami and Paul Pierce in Boston a couple years ago where just they just belong to the city. The city's been with them through thick and thin. They just love the guy. They're part of the city, right? And then you have that the rest of your yep. life. And now we're entering this new era where the players are really, really strongly pushing this whole thing. Well, I'm my own CEO, you know, I, my fans can travel with me to any city. I need to go to a bigger market. It doesn't, that whole loyalty thing doesn't matter as much. The only person I'm loyal to is my family. And we're heading toward this world where guys are just gonna bounce around on different teams. And you're gonna have Kyrie Irving on Cleveland for five years and Boston for two and the Knicks for three and then the Lakers for four. And they don't really belong to anybody. And mm-hmm. I think we're gonna feel it next year. LeBron's gonna break, um, what's he what's he gonna break? Jordan not Jordan's record. He's gonna break uh, somebody somebody's scoring record, Kareem's scoring record next year. And right. if he does it in L.A., it's gonna be this lukewarm moment. I don't think I don't think the fans are gonna be the Laker fans. He doesn't belong to them. They're they're Kareem Magic Showtime people and no, and Kobe I, I, and people. It's gonna be that. weird.
3: Well. well, well. Will it be lukewarm if, if they're winning though? Like, well, will it be, because it's funny. I was at, I was at the game where he, where he passed Jordan and like, it was he weird. He, he's, what was that? It was lukewarm. It was Bill. It was lukewarm. He was, first off, he was playing with four guys I'd never heard of. Right. <laughs> right. I'm not even certain LeBron knew who they were or he had <laughs> heard of them. Um, like there was just a strange vibe that was out there when he did it and uh the fans didn't really care. In fact, some of the fans were booing. Um it, it it's such a strange market and organization from that standpoint where they love Kobe, and if they don't love Kobe, they love Magic, and they don't love Magic, they love Kareem, and they love Worthy, and they like like he's got he's got a long ways to go, but but I'm interested in that bill if he passes Kareem and the team because I don't think I don't think LeBron's done. I don't think the Lakers are done. I think LeBron, I think he's I think he's as calculated as any athlete we've ever seen. There is a plan here. I don't know what the plan is, but there is a plan. And See, I disagree. I, Anthony Davis.
0: I don't think there's yeah, a plan. And, and, and I think I there's think
3: LeBron probably has another title on him, to be honest with you.
0: I don't think he does either. And I don't think there's a plan. I think the plan was we're going to get LeBron and everyone's going to want to play there. And they're finding out that that's actually not the way it's going to go. And, and now
3: we can't even fill out space jam. You can't even cast it. See,
0: so I mean, That was the thing that happened today. I think when you look at, I'm looking at this next generation, guys most likely to stay with their team their whole career, the majority of it, like Wade did. Steph Curry to me. What got? Steph Curry to me is the logical. I could see him starting, um, peaking, and ending his career with the Warriors and never being on another team. I would actually probably bet on that at this point. Um, Harden, I think I would too. I could see Harden retiring as a rocket. Now he didn't start there. I don't know if you know this, right. but Oklahoma City traded him. Do you know about that trade? They traded him. Yeah, them. I did. Yeah, yes. they, I, they,
3: I, And I ripped him ever, uh, they, ever they since. They like, traded him did, for Steven can Adams. Can you imagine if those three stayed together, Bill? Yeah. Are you kidding me?
0: Um, I think yeah. Giannis on Milwaukee is very conceivable because I think he's a different kind of guy. Just Just doesn't right. seem to care at all about anything other than just being good at basketball. Now that might change. He's 23. Sure. Other than that, I don't think there's a safe bet to retire in a city, maybe Dame Lillard, who is not like an iconic guy, like some of these other guys, but um, right. man, it's, we're just heading toward well, this world where guys are going to bounce but, around.
3: But, yeah. But, and I agree with you, but how about this? one? I, I totally agree with Steph Curry. I think he, he stays put. Um, but how about this one? Like, I, it's going to be interesting to have to see what happens with, with uh, into the Kumpo like bill. Let, let's see if he, if he, Four years from now, he still doesn't want a title. You going to want to go latch on to someone else and try to win it there, the same way LeBron did, right? They, that, yeah. all that's going to be interesting. But the one guy, so I agree with you on Curry. Um, can you see Westbrook staying in Oklahoma City his entire career? Now he's there, and they're not doing anything. So now you start to wonder, is Russ going to want to latch on and try to win somewhere else? But I, that's another guy I could see, because he's a bit different, and he doesn't get like, – you talk about guys who don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah. Uh, he's won. So I could see Westbrook maybe and maybe Embiid staying with Philadelphia his entire career.
0: Yeah, because his career might be over a year from now. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry I had to. I'm in a big feud with the Philly fans right now. Yeah, you never know with his niece. Um, <laughs> By the way, did you just have Kyrie
3: going to the Knicks? Is that, is that like a done deal in your mind?
0: I, I'd be surprised if... Uh, I think KD is 99% and I think unless the... In, so this is really sad. I'm hinging my hopes on a guy who broke his legs 16 months ago, but... Gordon Hayward's resurgence lately has at least shed a little light onto the Celtics prospects for the playoffs. I'm still not convinced, and I think it's just as likely they could lose in round one. But if if he continues to look like he has for the last couple of weeks, that is an X factor. And they do have talent. And the East is, nobody nobody has really taken it by the horns except for Milwaukee, who's banged up any in the playoffs. So who knows? Um,
3: uh, I, listen, I said before the season started, that I think the Celtics are the only team that has a chance, if they get to the finals, of beating Golden State. And mm. um, there's a part of me that still that still feels that way because they're just so immensely talented. Um, and you're right, Hayward has played better. So that whole thing, I, I'd like to me, I don't think any of us should be shocked if, you know the Celtics make it out of the East. Like people are going to be surprised, Bill, but they shouldn't if the Celtics make it out of the East. But but because, I can absolutely see that happening. And and then if they get against, if they go up against Golden State, uh, I could see them giving them giving them a really good series. But I, I just find that whole situation with your team yeah, uh, it's, fascinating. It's not where yeah, those young guys like they got a taste of what it's like to be to be. You know, to play in big time games and play meaningful minutes and take all the big shots, and then Kyrie comes back, and those guys have to go back to their original roles. And I think that's a real—that was a really difficult thing for, for for Brad Stevens or any coach to really manage—is—is is like, hey, guy, Jalen Brown, you were you know twenty four points in a big game six in the in the Eastern Conference <laughs> semifinals this year. Now go back to scoring ten a game. That's a that's a tricky spot for Brad Stevens, you know, and so. Uh, but that team's so talented, I could see them winning it, Bill. I really can. I could still see that team winning an NBA championship.
0: God, you're so much more optimistic than I am. My my friend, uh, my friend Sean Grandy, who does uh, radio for the Celtics, who is by far the best radio guy. He right. he made a good comparison. He said he compared it to like a soda that seems like it would be really good, but then it tastes terrible. Where you, it's like. <laughs> It's like vanilla (laughs) cherry Coke. And he was like, oh, I like, I like Coke and I like vanilla. I like cherry. This would be good. And you taste it and it just tastes awful. And he was like, that's what this team is. It's has all the ingredients I like, but then you throw them together and it just tastes bad. And I thought that was a good way to put it. Is
3: is Kyrie the kind of, so, so Coke on its own is fantastic, right? Like I maintain the greatest drink. Of all time is a fountain Coca Cola. Like right. So it. last like year's that. team was so, Coke. So is Kyrie like the vanilla cherry? Like is that yeah,
0: <laughs> Kyrie Hayward was the cherry, and then Hayward and then Kyrie's the vanilla. And it's like, oh man, this is gross. <laughs> Can I just have a Coke? Well, it
3: should probably be the other way around. I'm thinking Gordon should be the vanilla, and well, whatever, it doesn't matter.
0: Um, before, <laughs> but, but yeah. By the way, I I don't think the Warriors are going to make it. I I I uh, I am backing. Dan Gundy
3: it. keeps saying. What is it with you guys,
0: Bill? You no, Bill? You wrote the book of fucking I know, basketball, exactly. man. Exactly. I'm know sticking the by the book. Team
3: wins?
0: No, I'm but. sticking by the book. This, there's a lot of historical red flags with this Warriors season, and I, I think the Rockets actually have the best team, and I think they're going to win. I really do. Really? Yeah. Like you I don't do. like,
3: like you know the Chris Paul hamstring injury is coming, right? Like you know, yeah. That, you know, that, that right?
0: would be the only thing that, that, uh, that could submarine it. But I do think, I think they know who they are, and I think they have the best player in the conference. And wow, um, but Bill,
3: Bill, how like, tell, like, all right. So, I, so listen, take me back to five years ago, five years ago, no, right? Know, Miami get them on their home court, right? Like, like, like Golden State will have home court advantage there. Uh, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but like, that's pretty unprecedented, right? A team that where DeMarcus Cousins is your fifth best starter, maybe your fourth, cause Draymond Green's your fifth, that team not winning the title, that would be shocking to me. That would be shocking. But this is
0: what makes basketball great. You like, you look at the 2014 finals. And LeBron and Wade and Bosh lose to Tim Duncan on one leg, the, right. the tail end of Parker and Ginobili, and then just a bunch of dudes like Boris Diaw and Marco Bellinelli. But those guys played really ah. well together, and they know who they were. They were well-coached. And right. LeBron had one foot out the door, and stuff happens. And the fact that Durant has one and a half feet out the door makes me nervous. They don't have a bench. They've had a really up and down year. They keep clicking this on off switch, and it's not going on. And they should have mm-hmm. lost last year. Houston, Houston had them last year. All they do is make a couple threes, and they win. They just got cold at the worst possible time. But they, the recipe was there. So uh, uh I just no, think they're a safer bet. The
3: recipe was absolutely listen. It was there. They had them. You're right. And if if Chris Paul plays in that game, maybe maybe they win it. Um, Are you willing to go down the path with me on LeBron that I've gone down several times, where in that fourth season? uh, he can't win. <laughs> now it's going to sound like I'm accusing LeBron of throwing the NBA finals. And maybe I am, but he is calculated. <laughs> I love it. Uh, there's no way he can leave Miami and go back to Cleveland for the storybook ending, uh, to win the one championship that in his mind is worth uh six that puts him past Jordan, uh, in his own personal record book. Like, like he can't win the championship against the Spurs and then go back to Cleveland. If he wins that in that fourth year, he has to stay in Miami. And so, yes, I guess there is a part of me that is suggesting that maybe LeBron wanted to lose that thing on purpose. Or
0: maybe it's like just a mental, you're not going a hundred percent into it because mentally you're already drifting another direction.
3: Maybe You're in love, but you're not in love
0: anymore. Um,
3: yeah, like, right. He, and, and he pulled what, he pulled the hamstring in game one. Right. And Chris Basha, when does LeBron ever get hurt? Like, right.
0: <laughs> this is why you're the premier take artist that I know right now. Um, <laughs> this is, this is, this is what we're looking for. Well, it is true. Like nobody has ever won the title when they have one and a half feet out the door. And this is another case against the Warriors. Like nobody's ever won and then said, I'll see you later.
3: Right, so, so, so you're, starting to, you're starting to swing me here because cause maybe Durant's thinking the same thing, like, hey, I can't leave here if we win a third consecutive <laughs> title. But what do you do in this situation when you have a guy with one and a half feet out the door, yeah. but you have three guys at least? Well, I don't know, where are we with Clay? Does he have a foot out the door or no? Because that would be two and a half feet out the door. Is Clay, I, does Clay have a foot out no, the door or do you I, feel like he's staying?
0: I think this team when Durant leaves, gets back to what it was before Durant, which is Curry okay, and Clay. Okay, so hear me
3: out here. If you have one and a half feet out the door in Kevin Durant, I agree with you, okay? But you have six feet that are firmly entrenched. They're inside the door. Can the six feet supersede the one and a half feet that you is may. clearly uh, walking to New York?
0: <laughs> I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> they don't have the best player in the conference, though, which is a problem. Usually the best right. player best player usually wins a series. Um. Before we go, I have Jordan best two guard of all time. Oh, I'll do guards: Jordan, Magic, Kobe, West, Oscar. Um, you're gonna laugh, Bob Cousy. Oh come on, <laughs> John Stockton. I, mean, I'm laughing, I was laughing at Jerry West.
3: I mean, are you kidding me?
0: John Stockton and I have Wade as the eighth best guard ever, and as the fourth best Bill, two get, guard Bill, ever. Come on, stop it! Knock it I'm off, just Bill. you should <laughs> say. Bob Cousy, multiple Bill. MVPs. Dwayne Wade, yeah, okay, zero MVPs, sorry. zero.
3: Wait, wait get, oh, hold on a second. Okay, and how many rings does Jerry West have? I mean, uh, uh, now Cousy, I can't go the ring path with you,
0: but Jerry West has has a single ring, one. Single one. ring, but Stockton easily could have had zero. four. Stockton zero, right? Well, Dwayne
3: Wade Dwayne could easily have six. I
0: mean, so. Well, the question <laughs> is, would you have rather had twenty plus years of John Stockton, or? The fifteen years Dwayne Wade had.
3: Oh, the fifteen years! I mean, three championships.
0: Yeah, I might have to move Wade out. Uh, you're right. You've talked me into it. I'm going to move Wade ahead of the Stockton. Bill,
3: three championships, five final appearances, a Finals MVP, and he and he's the guy who orchestrated getting LeBron and Bosch together. Like, yeah, I'd rather have, I'd rather have that easily. Now, now you're getting to an interesting place. If you ask me, would I rather have what Wade did or what? How many championships did Kuzi win?
0: Oh. A lot. I mean, right? again, you're asking a Boston fan to try to remember the exact number of championships. It's tough for us.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's,
0: funny. let's so see. Funny. He
3: won. All right, get Stockton the hell out of here. i uh, get Jerry West <laughs> out of here. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, Jerry logo. West is and not. Pulled- Jerry West
0: is the logo. He was, he was unbelievable. He was so good. Jerry West was amazing. Yeah, but Bill, I
3: told you, I told you on the radio show, he should be the logo for losing in the NBA. Whatever the logo for losing in the NBA finals <laughs> is, he should be the logo for that. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, all right, now, we, my dad would kill me because my dad my dad would kill me because he swears that Jerry West is, is, is the second best two guard he's ever seen. Like, like my dad, Zeke from Cabin Creek and hit from the locker room with the doors closed, all that bullshit my dad throws at me. All right. <laughs> um, I don't care. Like Dwayne Wade's better than Jerry West. I'm sorry. and right. You know that, Bill.
0: You know Well, that. but I mean, like he's better the same way a Porsche from 2019 is better than a Porsche <laughs> from 1969. But that doesn't mean it was a better car. <laughs> or a cooler car, like I still would rather drive the 1963 Porsche. It's like, holy shit, right? Um,
3: I mean, that's fair. All right, but, uh, so fine. If I give you Jerry West, uh, let's play a game. Let's play. Let's do it like I don't know, gambling cards, whatever. If I give you Jerry West, can we get stocked in the hell out of here? Cause
0: that's yeah, wait, insulting. That's, that's fine. Insulting to wait. That's fine. I'm gonna move. Right, Wade. Else
3: was on that list before him?
0: <sighs> so, for two guards, I'll he's still fourth. Magic.
3: like magic. I'm fine with I, I I happen, I don't think magic gets enough credit. Um, in fact, my, the, the, the three best players I've ever seen, period, regardless of position, uh, for me are Jordan, LeBron and Magic. Like those are, those are the three best. The, the interesting so one. Bird's a close fourth.
0: So Wade is the de facto, I can't respect anyone else's opinion if they don't agree with this is the fourth best two guard ever. And the question is when can and will Harden pass him? I feel like Harden has to win a title. Um, right. And if he wins the title this year, I think he, I think I actually think he passes him because he would have an MVP. So Harden's
3: won an MVP, right?
0: And three second place finishes. Wade only has one top three finish. He's the Finals MVP in '06, but Harden's resume is just more impressive. His production's better. Like he's just better. So, but so Wade Arden has wins the, the title this
3: year. It will he passes be- Wade.
0: Wade becomes the fifth best and two. Because guard if he
3: wins the title, he'll likely be the finals MVP. So he'll have the finals MVP. He'll have yeah. the one championship. We'll have the regular season MVP and he'll probably win another MVP. Or and also the like
0: the, the best five-year scoring binge of any guard, not named Jordan ever. You know, he's basically averaging 30 a game now for five years, 36 game this year. So, yeah,
3: I, I think I'd be willing, I can go down that path with you. I think if Harden, yeah, I think, I think if Harden wins an NBA ch- title and he'll certainly be the best guy on the team uh, when he does win it. Um,
2: then you can't passes. say that about
3: Wade. You can say it about the one title, but you can't say it about the other two. Yeah, I'd be willing to go down that path. But yeah, that's fine. That's fair. I think that's I think that's fair.
0: Well, enjoy the, enjoy but, the uh, Dwayne Wade departure, retirement. Uh, I know you'll miss the Gabrielle Union sports tweets. Hopefully she'll continue on that front. I know you love when celebrities weigh in <laughs> on sports. Um <laughs> And, uh, Bill, what I'm going
3: to miss is, is having a superstar play in our city. That's what I'm going to miss <laughs> because think about what I told you earlier. Okay. Yeah. Marlins, Dolphins. Yeah. Miami Heat. It's pretty rough. Panthers. Oof. Name a player. I dare you. Go ahead. Name
0: that's, one. That's rough. Uh, who's it? Right, Ryan so. Fitzpatrick. I named him one earlier. you Ryan Fitzpatrick. You <laughs> Fitzpatrick. <Fitzmagic laughs> yeah. <your> so <laughs> Bullshit, listen to man. the, what's this Dugats podcast called?
3: It is uh, it is stupidity. Uh, please check it out. We uh, release new episodes every Thursday. Uh, I am a, a golf geek, and so I really geeked out this week on the Masters. Mm. Um, so so check that out, and of course check out our show uh, ten to one on ESPN Radio. And and Bill is uh, is a frequent guest on it. And so yeah. you know, this was a thrill for me, man. I never thought I'd be on your. People don't realize that you and I are closer in sports sensibilities, and just really closer. In general, in terms of personality, than you and Lepitard are like we're we're a lot more similar than you and Dan are. Is that fair?
0: Well, because we we watch sports.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Lepitard still watches from time to time. I mean, he's he's a busy guy. He's a social he's a social animal now. He's got th- oh, three Bill, media I mean, games. He
3: shows up to the big events, like the, you know, he goes he goes to Wade's final game. And uh, you know. but I thought you were funny <laughs> on the air when, when you said. Uh, you know it's a big event when Levitard decides
0: to put pen to paper and write something. Well, Levitard and I, anytime either of us write something, we're we're um, we both feel pressure because we're like retired writers at this point. And then when the other guy <laughs> writes something, we're like, "What the fuck? Thought we had an agreement." <laughs> Cornies Co- <laughs> are so trying to outdo each other. <laughs> well, Cornies are brain brainwash both of us he was like, you're going to turn 43, 44 and your fingers just aren't going to want to work anymore. I'm telling you it's going to happen. You gonna be sitting in front of that blank computer I don't screen.
3: It, I, I, that's so funny. Cause I had something to do with this. And, and like, listen, you guys caved in. Like you, 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 yeah. you, you're still journalists. You're still super credible, but you realize that, uh, you know, being in the circus tent and being with the clowns is a lot more fun. And so, right, and like with with Levitard, I just knew that was such a great personality there that couldn't come out in print. And I, you know, I I, I desperately wanted him uh, on the radio so people could see that side of him. And uh, and it's worked, it's worked out pretty well for him. Billy doesn't have to write anymore; he's uh, he's doing just fine. And so are you, by the way? So
0: he's doing great. I remember we got coffee. When did you have the Super Bowl? February oh seven.
3: Yeah. February of. Yeah. February yeah was, that was the yeah, first was time the I had been
0: in. That was the first time I'd been in Miami and right, I went and met him for coffee, which in the Miami, the coffee is like, it's like a shot glass and it's like 17 times the amount of caffeine. I'm used to like oh, a like, 20 ounce coffee. It's. it's
3: Yeah. It's like crack cocaine. I'm not even joking. Like I did a shot right after the show today and I'm I'm still fucking sweating and my heart is still, uh, is beating at a very, at a very rapid pace.
0: Right. So we met at some weird outdoor place and we had, you know, crack cocaine coffee and everybody (laughs) knew him. And I was like, wow, this is, (laughs) this is hilarious. This guy is like, (laughs) it's like being in Miami with Sonny Crockett, you know, um, (laughs) Yes, he's and, the mayor uh, of Miami. He really family. is. He's legitimately the mayor of Miami. And it's it's always fun to uh to see him in that element. Uh Stu Gats, this yep. was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Uh don't be a stranger.
3: Uh I won't. You know I won't. Uh Stupidity, check it out. Download it, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And uh, you know, Simmons, now I have to have you on my podcast. I'm okay. A, Cause I cause
0: Yes. We can do a home and home. Yes. All right. Thank you.
3: I love that oh, fucking home and home. All right. Well, listen, I, I appreciate it. Say hi to the demons for me. I will. Uh, tell Butch Hobson to relax a little bit, okay? <laughs> uh, we're only 10 games in. The Red Sox will be just fine, right?
0: <laughs> I will. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All
3: right, Bill. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right.
0: All right. Thanks so much to Zone. Remember, download the Zone app in the Apple or Android app store. Sign up by creating an account. Then start watching across nearly any of your devices if you love boxing MMA. Baseball, it's all there. Uh, check that out. Thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. They have everything you need to stop fear at the front door, including 24-7 protection with security experts on standby to send the authorities in an emergency. Simply Safe even keeps working. If the power goes out, if the Wi-Fi goes down, if Burger smashes your keypad, you know your home is secure. Always try Simply Safe. See how good it feels to fear less. Go to simplysafe.com slash BS to learn more. Simply Safe with two eyes. dot slash BS. You will hear from me Thursday night. We're putting up the mega, mega, mega playoff preview slash end of the year awards podcast with Ryan Rosilla, the star of NBA support group. So until then.